I didn't actually look for this becoming Filipino. I didn't look uh, for, you know, oh, this connection in a positive way with the Philippines. It found me. But how it found me was when something positive happened in my life, a situation, an event, an occurrence, I dug deeper into it. So I went, okay, this is very positive and cool and connecting for me. I need to explore it more. And that's where the meaning came from. I think a lot of people think, man, what's the meaning of my life? What's my purpose? Don't think about it. Just live your life. And when things happen, if they have a good effect with you, dive into them more. And maybe that's where you'll find your meaning and purpose. And when you do, you won't stop, man. Welcome to the Strive for More podcast. My name is Jared Hendry, and I'm the founder of the Strive Accelerator. We are a group of young entrepreneurs that you've probably never heard of. And we figured out that a community of like-minded people is the only way to ensure we flourish in business, in our relationships, and in our lives. This podcast is dedicated to uncovering the stories of the communities around successful people that got them to where they are, and in the process, we'll break down barriers for you to succeed too. Kyle Jennerman is a 32-year-old Canadian from Vancouver Island. Kyle worked with Filipinos overseas and was inspired to visit the country in 2013. After a year of travels in the Philippines, he was inspired to create a social media account under the name Becoming Filipino. This was a platform where he takes the positive experiences in the Philippines that are becoming part of his life and shares them with the world. Kyle uses social media to spread positive education and tries to connect people in positive ways. Making videos and writing stories was never a planned part of his life path, but Kyle feels strongly that there is so much value in pursuing what you become passionate about. Kyle has amassed a huge following on social media with more than 1 million followers on Facebook, 725,000 subscribers on YouTube, and 200,000 followers on Instagram. Kyle, my man, thank you so much for being here. And let's just jump right into it, man. Um, and so I know that you were actually in the Philippines when Typhoon Haiyan hit. And, and for the listeners out there that maybe they don't know what that is, but it was, I think, at the time, the strongest winds that have ever been recorded on Earth. It was just a, a real awful natural disaster. Something like 10,000 people died and just hundreds of thousands of people were dislocated. And so I'm just wondering, maybe we can start off with that typhoon as our starting point. Can you just tell us maybe about your experience in the Philippines right after that hurricane or t typhoon? Uh, yeah, man, that was, uh, that was quite the experience. Um, just uh, to let you know, I was actually in Hong Kong at the time of the typhoon hitting, but uh, I was working there with a whole bunch of close colleagues who were Filipino. Uh, who work in the outdoor education industry. And actually, one of our good friends from work happened to be in Tacloban, the kind of epicenter where the typhoon really went through. And he was there at the time of the typhoon hitting. So the typhoon hit, and I was in Hong Kong. But uh, soon after that, maybe about four or five days after, uh, I made the decision to leave Hong Kong and actually head to the Philippines because of that disaster and see if I could, uh, you know, do something or help out. Um, I actually ended up in Tacloban about nine days after the storm. Um, but at that time, imagine like when I went to Tacloban, 
you know, this is nine days after this massive hurricane. It was to describe it, maybe something like as if an atom bomb had been dropped. It was just like, that's, that's the, the visual I could give a listener is, uh, like you, you see those kind of things, you know, in like war movies, like a huge bomb explodes and everything's destroyed. That's kind of what I walked into nine days after the storm in Tacloban. And there was definitely no electricity, you know, dirt and mud and stench everywhere. And, and still a lot of desperation and confusion uh, going on. So, uh, yeah, my, my first experiences uh, with, with a big natural disasters in the Philippines, and it was Typhoon Haiyan. And it was very, very eye-opening, but strangely enough, a Kickstarter uh, for what inspired kind of this whole becoming Filipino journey. Uh, because at that point in my life, I'd been to the Philippines for about, I think, three trips, maybe spending about four months in 2013. And then November 2013 was when that typhoon hit, and I came back. And yeah, that's it's weird to think that a natural disaster kind of ended up something so horrible as well ended up being a positive kickstarter uh for a lot of things uh i i i don't mean to say that in a way that uh you know it's hard to put positives on a horrible tragic event that you never wish upon anyone but uh it was amazing how filipinos kind of showed me you can take positives out of really difficult, extremely negative situations. And that was, that was the first time I really fully felt that. Kyle, you know that most people flee from disaster zones, right? Like you were the only guy running in there. Uh, you know, it's, it's a strange feeling when, you, when you're just so overwhelmed with wanting to, you know, give back and help. And the reason, though, in this case, why it was so different, you know, running into a, a natural disaster zone um, was because I'd already built up this huge level of inspiration from Filipino people and the Philippines over the course of that year prior that it just felt like the right thing to do. So, for example, when I was in Hong Kong and that typhoon hit, I was working side by side with my Filipino friends. And when we were reading about this storm and disaster, you know, and just observing their body language and then me thinking about other friends of mine in the Philippines and especially our work colleague, too, who was in Tacloban. You know, I felt like somebody was punching me in the gut and, you know, saying, like, come on, man, you can you can actually do something. And, <laughs> and, and, and but you know, you know, what's really crazy about this, too. And I uh, is I remember when I thought first about going to help um, a few people you know, brought up the idea. These are people who weren't, you know, hadn't been to the Philippines or hadn't seen my life there prior. And, and, and they thought, man, you know, I, are you even going to be able to do anything? Like, is it appropriate? And, and I realized like, it, it's interesting when you want to make a very vast or not vast brash, what's the word for it? You know, like a, a, a quick decision when you really want to just do something, uh, people throw up a lot of you know, barriers. And even in this case, wanting to go help in a disaster zone, I got a lot of those barriers thrown at me. Uh, but I'm happy I made the decision, yes, to go. What was it about those kind of early experiences in the Philippines that you thought, geez, like this place really resonates with me? Because like as an outsider, Kyle, looking in on that decision, I'd probably be on the side of those people that were like, 
is this a good idea? Like, do you think you should be doing that? So I'd be interested to know, like, what was so motivating for you to have to go there? Okay, so let's, what we'll, what we'll do here is I'll, uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory and the lead up to actually going into uh, this kind of typhoon disaster. So yeah, give us uh, a backstory. Yeah, bro. yeah I'll give you, you got to get the backstory because it, it won't make any sense if not. Um, basically, <laughs> basically, man, I was, I was working in Hong Kong for an outdoor adventure company. Uh, the, the company is called Asia Pacific Adventure and they employed a lot of Filipino staff. Um, but these Filipino staff, these are, some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry in the Philippines. Uh, you know, the guys who like mapped the caves, you know, they, they went in wow. them and mapped them. The guys who created whitewater rafting, uh, guys who were training on Mount Everest expedition team, the first ever Filipino one, you know, like these, these are quite, quite well-known Filipino outdoorsy guys. And what happened is I didn't even know in 2012 in September when I got this job, that, uh, that, you know, I didn't know anything about the Philippines. I had no Filipino friends. Philippines you couldn't even spell it, man. Dude, I, I couldn't. Is, I didn't know you had to put one two N, P's. two N's. Dude, everyone thinks it's like two L's and two P's. It's just one L, man. Philippines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the confusing. Yeah, I, I, did, I knew nothing about the country, right? So I get this job in Hong Kong and I start working there. And I just happened to start working with these Filipino guys. And... And because they're outdoorsy guys, they also happen to have a background of going around the Philippines. They've had experiences traveling in different areas. But anyways, we're going to jump ahead. So I, I work with these guys and, and I start to realize, I'm like, man, they're working really, really hard. You know, our job was like five in the morning until 10 at night, being in the wow. outdoors, you know, working with groups of kids in a very, uh, it can be, it can be dangerous. Intense. Yeah. Intense situation. So, um, I got really fascinated because during this very kind of uh, difficult work, they were always smiling and laughing and, <laughs> and, and, and enjoying themselves and, and kind of figuring out ways to enjoy themselves even amongst very you know, difficult atmospheres. So, so I, got, I got intrigued by them. And then on the weekends in Hong Kong, I would, I would start to hang out with them. And I noticed on the weekends, they're always hanging out together and all chipping in together you know sharing their money mm -hmm. buying food together cooking together drinking together and being open to having other people join them in that sense mm -hmm. you know whether they're a filipino a foreign guy a canadian new zealander whatever um so i got really connected with them and then after my work you know when our seasonal work ended in january 2013 uh they kind of convinced me to come visit them so I went to the country for the first time, January 2013, and spent three weeks. And it was just very surreal for me because imagine, you know, I only knew these guys and girls who I worked with for like two months, two and a half. Some, some only stayed six weeks in Hong Kong. You know, I barely even knew these people. And I show up at the airport in Cebu. And then the next three weeks, I'm just in houses getting cooked for. I'm getting driven around at two in the morning, even though the person's really tired because they want to make sure I'm okay and, and doing good. And then I'm watching these people oh. and their friends treat me as if I'm their friend. And then their friends, the friends treated me as if I'm their family. And then everything was just like, we just want you to be happy. You should be happy. Enjoy being happy. We're happy when you're happy too. And we're happy <laughs> too. And, and, and it was just like this whole big overload of, Happiness. That sounds really strange. Okay. Happiness. But yeah. 
Um, so I got very inspired by that first little three weeks. And then here's, here's what happens. I go back to Hong Kong after that three-week trip. And, uh, and I'm sitting in Hong Kong. I think it was like April 2013. And I was just having like a rough go with a few things. And, and kind of, uh, you know, work is tough sometimes. And a few things going on in life. And, and so I thought, man, like I'm kind of bummed out. But I wonder if I, if I do what all those Filipino people were doing when I was working with them and visiting them in their country. And no matter what, just try and smile or have a, you know, do something positive or share something positive. So I wrote smile on a big orange sign. Um, you can see it. You can, yeah, it, it sounds really weird. I, I even thought it was weird. I mean, I, I wrote smile on a big orange sign and I just decided I'm going to go see what happens if I, you know, send out some good vibes to the universe. And even though I'm feeling kind of bad and I went out in Hong Kong and I just, in areas with a big orange smile sign and I kid you not like 95% of the people who walked past or interacted with me or just observed you know they'd either like smile a bit or they'd have a little positive chuckle or they'd come have a positive interaction with me and I was like man here I am feeling kind of miserable and down and having a tough go but because I've chosen to share a little bit of happiness and be positive, you know, people and things are changing. I'm starting to get this vibe thrown back at me. So I, that, that actually came because of that first three-week trip in the Philippines. That was my first kind of like, man, I just learned something very positive from my Filipino friend. And it affected my life in a positive way. And now it's transmitting into a little positive moment in other people's lives. I got I got a you know, I got to pursue this a bit. So I went back again. Um, <laughs> sorry if I'm running off here a bit too bad, but it's no, just a no. long story. <laughs> so so I, 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 went, I went back again. I decided after work finished, I'd go back to the Philippines, spend three months, June, July, August of 2013, in the country, living longer and trying to, you know, figure out more about this place because that simple positive connection kind of got me interested, you know, and then kind of I saw a positive effect from it. So over that three months, I lived in a place called Cebu City. Um, and I lived in a place called Kegi and Dioro. And maybe I'll give you three examples of things I experienced. So this is one of the most basic examples. Uh, if you ride something called a jitney in the Philippines, it's uh, the jitney comes from yes. the term Jeep, you know, American Jeep. And I think it's after the war, uh, you know, when the Americans were here, they left a lot of Jeeps and Filipinos extended them into these long vehicles and they called them jeepneys because they come from Jeeps <laughs> and uh, people, ri <laughs> pe pe people ride these things. Right. But if you observe, I know mean, I'm riding these things around the city, everybody sits and crams in this jeepney, you know, all together. And there's a driver at the front. And you know what they do is they all just hand their money, random amounts of money down a line to each other uh, and it gets all the way to the driver and then the driver hands the money all the way back. And you have to think you're handing your money to random strangers in a random vehicle in the middle of a busy city. And what happens is your money makes it to the end and then your exact change comes back to you. So there's this wow. whole, they, they call it, they call it buy an e-hand. And it's this whole like community support network. You just look out for each other as a community. And that's the basic example if you want to look at extreme wow. examples, 
you can go to very, very rural areas. If you have to move your house, like if you have to move to a different area of your community, a whole community will come together and literally pick up your house. No joke. You can type it into Google, buy any hand, moving house. <laughs> they, they, they pick up, the whole community comes, picks up your house and moves it with you, for you. So there's this whole aspect of community. I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. And they use it as a way to survive and thrive. So I got kind of like, well, that's, that's pretty inspiring. Then, man, then I went to something called a fiesta. So here in the Philippines, um, they have fiestas. Now, it, it comes from like a, a thing where, you know, it, it's based a little bit off religion and off, uh, you know, the patron saints and celebrating. But, but even if you take religion aside and you just look at what a fiesta is, this is what people do. They open up their house to complete strangers. It doesn't matter who you are. You can walk into a house eat the person's food, drink their drinks, hang out, have a laugh. <laughs> and, then, and then you can leave that house and you might not know the people. Go two houses down the road and do it again and do it again and do it again. And it's completely normal. And the reason people do it is they just want to give because giving is a blessing. It's just a nice thing to be able to give. So you see these all over the Philippines in the small barangays and the big cities. Um, it's very, very cool. So I got kind of inspired, like, wow, man, like, you know, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I'll give you another example. I, I witnessed a lot of people in the Philippines. They live very, very difficult lives. So I'll give you, like, you know, there's a tricycle driver, or not tricycle driver, like a pedicab driver. They pedal little bicycles. Um, I remember meeting one in Intramuros, um, as an example. And, you know, we just strike up a conversation and he's chatting to me. And, and then, you know, I can see his life's pretty difficult, but he still has this kind of attitude of, hey, I'm a strong guy and I'm going to chat to you and we're just going to talk about life. And I remember asking him, hey, so so where are you from? And he's like, I'm from the USA. And I kind of got what? confused. Yeah, I got confused. I was like, what do you mean? You're from the USA? But then he goes, yeah, I'm from the United Squatters area. <laughs> and, 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 he, and, he, and, he, and he starts laughing, you know, I mean, he's putting like a light, a light note on a very, very difficult, tragic situation. And I thought yeah. that was very impressive, you know. Okay, so that's, that's an example there. Over three months, I could kick off for hours and just share with you little examples, but these kind of things started to grow on me. Um, and then I went back to Hong Kong again to work in September of 2013. And then that in November is when the typhoon hit. So that's a bit of the backstory before the typhoon. When you were over there, Kyle, like I know we grew up in, in a small town on Vancouver Island and, and yeah. of course there was a community, but it was nothing like what you're describing to me right now. So when you experienced that, what did you remember? Like, was it shock? Was it, oh my gosh, I have to tell people back home about this. What kind of emotions were going through your head as you were kind of living that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I was a, it, it's interesting. I, before going to the Philippines, I had been to 29 countries. You know, I'd been very lucky in the sense of I had a job in Britain, so I could travel around Europe. I, I was in Southeast Asia and India in 2007, and then working in Hong Kong, I was able as well to travel around a bit. And, and so I, I'd been in like shocking situations before, but this is the first time where I'd fully you know, kind of immersed myself in a place that 
and 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 had and been receiving you know so many kind of positive feelings about the place and fully decided to go with it and yeah it was completely different from canada and the strange the, the really strange thing too was like most of my friends if not all of my friends the majority of them and family knew nothing about this place mm-hmm. and i'm having a super super positive connection with it and and to to start like sharing about it and talking about it a lot was was very you know it felt really good for me but at the same time i started to realize that it was kind of weird for some people <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know i i mean imagine if i just tell let's say i don't know if you've been to the well, you have been to the philippines you've you've been before but imagine like a somebody from comox who's never even heard really of the philippines and you just start talking to them about all these little things and getting so pumped up and and they're probably thinking like man like what what are you what are you drinking over there like what are you what are you doing you know like, san miguel um, light I, yeah that's there what you I'm go thinking. yeah <laughs> no no it was it was uh it was it was still even strange for me to start getting so connected and 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 feeling the that I had to share stuff you know i just like feeling like it was important to share something especially cuz like i i love like canada too i love sharing things about canada i love where we grew up man i love my home there so i'm not even from the philippines why should i be sharing these positive things about it you know it was there's <laughs> a range a range of weird emotions but i just felt like it was important so i did it <laughs> And Kyle, you had a friend, I think his name was Francis. I've, I've heard this story mentioned before when I was um, researching you. And mm-hmm. I think Francis was in Tacloban, I believe, at the time of the typhoon. And, yeah. and he, um, he did something really incredible. Like, Do you remember what he did during that typhoon to kind of help support you and, and support the people of, uh, of Tacloban? I, are, you, are you referring to Jason, the guy from Tacloban? Or... Or, oh, sorry, oh, no, think... oh, no, 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 you're right. You're correct. I know what you're talking about, bro. Sorry, I'm, I'm reflecting no. here. You're talking, <laughs> about the, you're talking about the ice, man. That, exactly. That, that was the coolest thing. I think I'm going to reshare the story soon because this is something that really, yeah. really connected with me. I'm happy you brought it up. So imagine, you know, um, we're going to go to Tacloban. We're going to go to this, like, overwhelming, destroyed, desperate, place you know at the time there's this place where there's a lot of death and destruction and we think you know like we think like how can we help and i think sometimes when we hear these really overwhelmingly negative situations we think that we have to do something overwhelmingly big to make a difference Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people even myself i used to think that way like okay you know ten thousand people have died the whole place is destroyed. Like, if I'm actually going to help, I got to be, you know, supporting all these people. I got to save ten thousand people. I got to save them all. I got to, you know, <laughs> it, 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 keep, it can be so easy to fall into that mentality. Um, but what happened is we heard from a friend in Tacloban that they didn't hadn't had any ice for like eleven days or something or ten days. You know, like like it sounds so weird. Ice, you know, like yeah. like the cold stuff you put in a drink. <laughs> and so, so my friend Francis is like, okay, man, we'll, we'll, we'll get these guys some ice. We'll, we're going to, we're going to literally carry a whole cooler of ice. Now 
Wow. Imagine you're going into a natural disaster and one of the boxes of your supplies is a box of ice. A lot of people might think like, what is the importance of that? Yeah. And even at the time, I was a bit like skeptical, like, really? Like, I don't know, are we going to do this? Like, are going to bring ice? <laughs> like, what, what's it going to do? But imagine we roll into Tacloban City the first time. We roll in at night. Late at night, it's dark. It's very eerie. You can smell death in the air. I'm not even joking. You can smell the death in the air. You can just feel the, 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 the negative pain of people, you know, the desperation. And we roll into this compound. And it's my friend Jason's compound, the friend who worked there, who thank God survived, you know, and, and was still alive. And his compound was somewhat okay. And, and we roll in there and there's a group of about, you know, eight to 10 friends of ours who had already been there for about six days, just trying to help. And I remember driving into this compound and there's just these like deflated souls. Like what I mean by that is they're sitting in chairs Try having a drink, like really looking down, which makes complete sense. Because if you're around, you know, such overwhelming despair and death all the time for six days straight, you'd probably feel, you know, be going through a lot of difficult emotions too. Um, but we roll in there and we have this, you know, this vehicle and we got some, some supplies. And I take out this cooler from Francis and myself and our friends. And I'm like, hey guys, like, Hey, Jason, you know, we connect a bit for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, so we brought this ice. <laughs> um, and, you, you know, what just happened is that that despair and anguish just turned to, like, pure joy because they had this simple little small thing, you know, being able to put ice in their beer or in their drink or in their, in their, uh, their popsicles or whatever they had, you know, just being able to put ice on stuff, which is something so common in the Philippines. You know, we take it for granted. We have ice everywhere. Yeah. And it's like the hot country. So you, you love ice. You don't realize you love ice, but you love it. Until um, it's gone. Until it's gone. And then <laughs> and then that, that little like thing just completely changed the mentality of everybody. And they just lifted up and were like, man, we're energized. This, this, this is dope. And it just kicked off a whole bunch of like, talking and positivity and good vibes and that grew to us creating a little organization and us trying to get more supplies and go and sort out how we can help people and then all of a sudden we're doing it and literally from ice i kid you not wow. like that that so just francis taking the time in cebu to get that ice while we were traveling there and then me and my friends actually making a decision to carry the simplest smallest like thing that people just felt they wanted it could help them um you know made all the difference so it's it's a lesson that you you might think that you can't do something very big and impactful in a, in a really big negative situation but you can because it just starts with the simplest thing you know ice <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know that grew everything that was really cool man i'm happy you brought that up i'm 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 excited to reflect on that more. That was crazy. Like crazy. Bro, that's what happens when I search through um, six years of your writing and every Instagram post you've ever done. So, um, Dude, I mean, thanks for doing that, man. I appreciate it. Actually, <laughs> to, to, to jump from that, man, I encourage anybody right now, reflect, man. Like just reflect yes. on your life. 
think back on things you've done, it really like makes a, a difference in your life and other people's lives when you talk about this thing. Like you can grow from that. That's cool. What, what kind of growth have you had from reflection? Oh, dude, it's, it's just made me really uh, better understand why I act the way I act or how, uh, you know, how I, how I respond to certain situations. So, so sometimes I think, you know, we, we, we get involved in something, let's say it could be anything, something at work, something in life, you know, and we, we act a certain way. And it's so important to look back on why we acted that way and try and piece it together. Because what happens is then if you find yourself in a diff another situation in the future, you can expand your reaction uh, and usually in a positive way. Um, I, I just think that it, it helps you kind of make the most out of all your moments on earth. It sounds really kind of corny and like over, like, but, but literally I know that I'm getting more out of my moments now because I'm reflecting more on my past moments. Um, you know, I, this, this one minute in this situation, so many more outcomes that are positive and awesome are coming from it because I spent a little bit of time on past situations and learned from them. Um, and imagine in this day and age, dude, where we're bombarded with media all the time. You know, we're so digital, we're so connected that we see so much stuff and it just goes past us. So it's so important to try and slow down and, and, and look at some of those moments and then allow those to grow for us in the future, definitely. Yeah, you spoke about um, finding something positive in just tragic, tragic moments. And, and I think that I'm trying to work through that right now, given that we're recording during the pandemic. And I think that, Ooh. you know, you, you spoke about reflection and, and maybe that, this could be one of the positives that come out comes out of this pandemic is that we come out more reflective and, and more um, appreciative of those moments or of family or of communities or friends or those kind of things that we sometimes take for granted. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like what better, better time to do that than, than right now when we're really, the whole world is surrounded with, a lot of difficulty and, and negative, you know, negative energy. So it's, it's, uh, we need more Philippines in our lives right now is what you're saying. Maybe, <laughs> man, I think we just need all, <laughs> we all need some positive energy. You know, <laughs> we, we need smile. They, we need smile, man. We all need big orange cardboard signs that say smile. <laughs> you know, you know, speaking of that, man, one thing I've also learned is that like what was really effective with that smile sign thing I did in Hong Kong it, it was I wasn't forcing it on people. I think sometimes, you know, we think like, hey, Jared, you got to smile, man. You got to be happy. You must yeah. be happy. Like that, that's, not what, that's not what I was doing with the smile sign. Although at the time, because it was the first time I ever did something like that, maybe I felt that that was the right way to do it. Like just shove a smile out there. But I realized mm -hmm. all I did was present it. I just presented something positive. I, nothing else. I didn't shove it in people and say you must be happy i just presented something positive and that kind of grew little positive things around me so i think it's important to remember that we shouldn't expect that we should always be happy and people should always be happy or respond to our happiness in a positive way but we shouldn't be afraid to try and 
present some happiness because there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with presenting any emotion, you know, as long as it's respectful. Yeah, and those are some wise words. Uh, I want to finish off on this, the Typhoon Haiyan, because mm-hmm. um, I also, through research, just found that there was a story of you sitting outside of these UN tents and you yeah. were sending information back to Canada and just kind of explaining what was happening on the ground. So can you spend just a couple of minutes talking us through what happened there? Yeah, that was wild. So so what happened is um, I just got kind of overwhelmed as, you know, rightfully so. I'd never seen a natural disaster. So even though, you know, there was a the positive ice moment, um, mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, I was still overwhelmed, you know, I've been a natural disaster. So, so I, I kind of panicked actually. And I, I thought not, not panicked in a bad way. I just kind of panicked in the sense of, I want to do something. I need to do something. And I just thought maybe what I can do is just start showing people little positive things. Because like I said, over that year in 2013, I started to connect with, with that whole, you know, presenting positive things and sharing positive things and having, you know, not being afraid to do so because it could have a good effect and good outcome. So I went, okay, I'm going to take all that education I've had this year and I'm going to do that. I'm just going to run around and show people little positive things amongst all this horribleness that I'm feeling and seeing and witnessing. And so I, I had a little camera at the time and I, I wasn't like a vlogger or anything. I didn't even know how to talk to a cameraman. I just kind of shouted at it. But <laughs> this was like a big smile. So, so I started recording happy things and po- not not even happy things, just positive stuff that was happening every day. I just would record it and wow. say things about it. And then I was like, okay, I need to get this out to the world because maybe people will respond to it, and maybe they'll they'll want to do stuff. So yeah, we had no internet, obviously, right? So I had to go to the UN tent. And uh, and tap into their internet. Luckily, we got a password from a friend of a friend, and uh, <laughs> I, was a- I was able to, to upload some of those things on online, you know. And and what happened from that was truly overwhelming, dude. Like people did respond to it. People were like, "Wow, okay, there's a there's a group of people here who have the energy to do some positive stuff. Yeah, we can we can we can help that." And people started, you know. Not only, it wasn't even the sending money aspect, which is obviously huge. I mean, people were sending mm-hmm. money that we were translating into supplies and doing stuff with, but it was the, the vibe. Like people started contacting, not just me, but my friends being like, hey, you can do this, guys. You're going you're gonna to rock this. Just let us know if you need some support. I can't even support you financially, but I just want <laughs> to send you good vibes. And yeah. you kind of feed, and you feed off that. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew to the point where we you know we we had like a mini fake ngo what i mean by fake is like we weren't actually we weren't actually an ngo but we called ourselves one tackle band and we were doing positive stuff and it was really making a difference uh you know we're visiting local communities and and providing them with like shelters and providing them with uh with what they wanted um that's another thing that that whole experience taught Mm -hmm. me to really, you, you can take it slow when helping. Like we would go out, our group of people, and we would just interact and talk to people and learn what could help them and then go back and help. 
Um, that's something that's so important, man. You know, since that time, I've been in earthquake disasters. I've been in floods. You know, I've, I've been around difficult situations because the Philippines deals with a lot of those things. And I realized that some of the best ways, I won't say the best because I don't agree in giving like, what's the best? This is the advice. But I'll say that one of, one of the best things you can do is learn how you can help before you do it. And the best way to do that is interact with the people who need help. Um, so that was, that was really cool, man. It just grew. Yeah. So thank you, UN, for your, your internet signal. I appreciate, <laughs> you know, you know, that, that was really, that was, it was really mind blowing, man. Cause speaking of that, like the UN ended up giving us supplies because we found out what to do with them. That was mind blowing. Imagine I'm, what? I've been, yeah, we, we had a truck from the UN give us supplies that we brought to Giwan and built for them because they didn't know where to put them. That, that, was, that was surreal, man. Like really understanding as well how even in, in a disaster situation and in a negative situation, everybody, even, even the big guys, <laughs> we're, all, we're all dealing with, you know, what to do. It's really, uh, that was crazy. Yeah, we got UN tents and delivered them and helped. That was, it, but it felt good. I was really proud of the UN for trusting us. That was awesome. Was Why cool. do you think the community took you in so well? Like, it, obviously, in order for the UN to trust you, for you to go into these communities, to ask questions, to provide some help, like people had to trust you. The Filipino people had to trust you. So why did... But I think in that sense, uh, it, was, it was all of us. They, they, they didn't just trust me. Who was really important at that time was a guy named Jason Garrido. Um, Jason Garrido was my friend, the one who lived there, who had, we thought might have been killed, right. you know, the one who I'd worked with Hong Kong. And what happened is he was able to survive. He survived the storm, but then he was able to thrive. He ended up becoming, you know, he didn't leave. He stayed and he helped his friends. And then he, he also was part of the outdoor community, which means he'd been around the area in all these small rural places and he'd connected beforehand. So, I mean, yes, I was a part of it. And I'm sure some of the guys in the UN were like, cool, it's great what you're doing. But it was like, they trusted all of us, you know? I think the big one for me was observing when people sent me money. Let me tell you this, man. I, I actually don't like when people send me money. It's scary. It's a scary feeling because when people send you, because you, you, you're responsible for it. You, you don't want to let people down. Like when people gift you money, it's, it's, it's like, it's the ultimate, you know, for us in this world, money, money is what keeps you going, right? I mean, you buy your house, you buy your food, you, 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 yeah. you, you live your life. It's technically, if you have no money, it's pretty hard to survive. Yeah, so people sending you something like that and just trusting you're going to do the right thing with it, it really makes you afraid, um, but also very motivated. It's like a double whammy. Um, so <laughs> like, like it's, it, it motivates afraid you. Afraid of it. Yeah. Afraid of aided. Let's make up that word. Yeah. Let's put that in the yeah. dictionary. <laughs> Afraid of aided. Yeah, but I, so for me though, having having people do that, especially like my Canadian friends and then people around the world, and send me money. It also made me realize though, not only that, but the value of showing people and being honest and real with people. I'm I'm certain that the UN gave us goods or people sent me money. Because they, they could sense that we were real and yeah. honest and we showed that. And the best way to show that is just to act that way. As in, don't even think, just 
like I mean think like think about what you're doing mm -hmm. and how you're going to do it and everything but when you when you talk to somebody like when I'm talking to you right now I'm not going to try and manipulate what I'm saying I'm just going to say it you know I, that, that 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 that's I think is so powerful because you know we live in a day and age as well again with all this technology and things and people can create a video or create a write up and you know if if you if you manipulate it too much you can tell man like People just saw that here's a, a Canadian guy who's a bit overwhelmed, but he's going to do positive stuff. And he has a community with him who wants to do positive things and is doing positive things. We can support that. So that's why I think why they did it, you know, that kind of thing. It's just being real. How has that focus on being genuine and being authentic, how has that translated through this becoming Filipino journey? Like, do you find that you're still true to yourself? Uh, absolutely, man. In fact, I'm 100% convinced the only reason Becoming Filipino started and the only reason it thrived and became, you know, what it is now was because I was just a real dude doing something that was positive, not just for me. Here's the ticket, man. Not just for me, but for other people around me. And I, to this day, I've always remembered that, you know, the reason why the you know I, I've been able to do this, and the reason why I, I think it's survived and thrived is because people see that what I'm doing is something I really believe in and is positive, but not just for me. It's not selfish. It's for everybody else too. It it involves other people in positive ways, and that I think was the really the big ticket uh, to to becoming Filipino, growing, and I kind of got glimpses of that in in Tacloban because the, the the positive for me was I was helping my friends and trying to make a difference and it felt good because the Philippines had already inspired my life and I felt like I was giving back a bit. So that's the positive for me was it felt really good because I was giving back the inspiration I had received earlier in the year. But then all these other people around me started having positive things happening to them. And that's why those two things connected grew. And that's what becoming Filipino kind of was founded off of, man. Like that's kind of how it, and that's how to this day, I always remind myself, Kyle, Kulas, whatever you do, you know, whatever I'm doing now, is it something that's good, not just for you, but for other people around you? Does it have a little bit of positive purpose for you and other people? And if it ticks those boxes, then I continue it. So it's really shaped and allowed me as well to realize, you know, and maintain kind of who I am and be real. The reason I say that is when you involve other people in something, they'll, they'll also, they also look after you, man. They, they check you out. Like, class, man, this isn't something, are you sure this is something you want? Is he sure this is something you want to do? Like, you know, people, people, people will help, help keep you real as well because you've shown them you're real. So you've spoken about this, like your journeys to the Philippines and, and helping out with the typhoon and, and like really making some, some really kind of incredible waves in the Philippines there. And then starting becoming Filipino, how did that, how did you translate that from, okay, I'm down here for a couple of months, I'm helping out kind of in the short term. How did you then go to, boom, this is what I want to do with my life? 
Yeah, the the big ticket, the I keep saying ticket. Why am I using that word? <laughs> the big, <laughs> the, the big. It's like I feel like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. I got the golden ticket. I'm gonna do this. No, um, yeah, uh, yeah, man. The the big moment actually. It so it, it came from that Taco Bell experience because while I was there, I'll tell you this quick story. I'm driving down in an area of the city where these huge boats, like tankers crashed up and smashed all the houses. So imagine like three in the morning, it's pitch black. Because the storm was so strong, these huge tankers crashed over and crushed everyone's houses and killed a lot of people. And I'm down there in the aftermath of it. And I see this group of people and I approach them, these Filipinos, and I approach them. I'm like, hey guys, like, like what are you up to? And they're like, oh, you know, we're just, just hanging out and chilling. And we start interacting and we start joking around and laughing you know imagine we're surrounded by death and despair and tankers crushed over houses and but we're like laughing and joking around and having a good time um wow. and we did that for about 10 minutes and then i remember giving my 50 peso sunglasses that's like a dollar to one of the kids and be like you keep these man you rock like your attitude's great and then right before right before i leave i look back and i remember like asking one of the adults there hey what are you guys actually up to though besides like chilling like what are you doing like, well, we're, we're digging for our dead grandmother under this boat. So, so imagine people could be going through the most horrendous thing you can imagine, like digging for your grandmother's dead body under a massive ship. But they still found some sort of ability to connect in a positive way for 10 minutes with me. It was mind-blowing. So that, yeah. that moment combined with the previous experiences in 2013 it made me genuinely believe that if i introduced people it doesn't matter who filipinos foreigners anybody to this kind of stuff it could have a positive effect on their life and other people's lives around the world so that's when i decided okay i need to stay here longer and show people more of this and that's when i started becoming filipino uh, and it isn't actually Becoming Filipino in the sense of I'm trying to transform into a Filipino, not at all. It's me taking all these positive things I'm learning and having those become a part of my life. So in that sense, uh, that's why I chose. That's why I chose becoming Filipino, because it was like I'm not actually. I know I'm Canadian. I'm proud to be, but I'm gonna have all these aspects of this culture and country become a part of my life, and I'm gonna try and share those out to other people's lives. Because I think it will have a positive impact. And I started it. Yeah, started it in February 2014. Like when you thought about becoming Filipino, not in the sense of you personally, but mm-hmm. in adopting some of these qualities and, and through experiences to kind of adapt and change. What were some of those things early on that you did? Like if somebody wanted to become Filipino in the sense that they wanted to adopt some of this culture... What did you do and what could they do? If you, if you look really early on, um, so what I actually did uh, is I knew even though I'm not trying to transform into the Filipino, I have to learn a bit about the place, right? So I have to learn a bit about the people. So I started asking people, hey, what can I do to learn more about you? Or what can I do to better understand you? And I kid you not, man, the first three months, March, April, May of 2014, all I did was go around with my friend, Mark Kumar, my Filipino buddy, 
I mean, I handed out business cards. I, I'd never had it. I never, but you know, it's funny. I never had business cards in my entire life. This business card, all it said was Tabangi Ko Palihug, which means please help me in Bisaya. Uh, send me something that makes you happy, smile, or something I can learn from uh, about where, you, where you're from, about the Philippines. And I would just hand these out all over the country to people with my email and my Facebook page and be like, just send me a message so I can better understand how I can do this. Because even at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know how I'm going to, you know, what should I learn? What is there? What, what's out yeah. there? I realized that the best way to find out what to learn is by asking people who know or who've had those experiences. So I asked Filipinos. So for three months, I just did that. I had it out business card, <laughs> but with no business. My business was happiness. You know, my business was wow. what I was inspired by. And that was very effective, man, because what happened is I got flooded with people just sharing positive education and good vibes with me. And it gave me a foundation to really start trying to go out and do some stuff that could maybe educate people in a positive way. Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Now, the other thing was though, I had no clue how to, you know, write a big story or share or talk to a camera. Like that was, I, I'm not a media guy, man. I'm a people person. I, I, I go out in groups of people and I like say, Hey, and teach them cool sports and like, you know, stuff like that. So to, to transition into putting things on the internet and talking to cameras and writing stories. That was the next difficult thing. That was, I had to learn that. <laughs> what do you, what do you think was the hardest part of that transition, Kyle, to becoming not like a, a media guy, but to being able to put your story out there to connect with people? What was the hardest part from that early phase? Ah, oh, man, I think, I think the hardest part was just, you know, trying to make sure that, it, it, again, that it's something that that is is positive and something that and something as well. This sounds a bit weird, but from the very beginning, something that's like not you know corrupting in a sense. Like what I mean by that is, you know, as as you start to to, to build a, a following, or as people start to read into what you're saying or watch what you're doing. Um, and as those, you know, that amount of people grow too, and as, as people respond to it, and, and especially because I was getting a lot of positive response, man, like a lot, like tons of positive response. It's just making sure that you don't burst that bubble of positivity. You don't let it get corrupted by other aspects, you know? And, and like we talked about earlier, one thing that was super important for that was for me to always be real to always remind myself why I was doing what I was doing. And before I started becoming Filipino, Jared, I already knew exactly why I was doing it. Like mm -hmm. I said before, but I also had four reasons. I'll give you those reasons. What are number they? One. So no, number one, this, this is before I ever wrote anything becoming Filipino. This is before I ever went down the path. It was okay. Number one, if I, I believe if I can introduce people to the Philippines, and these positive experiences I was having in, in, with Filipinos and introduce them to that, it can have a positive effect on their life and other people's lives. That was number one. I think we even said that earlier. Number two was there's a lot of really difficult things in the Philippines, as there are 
all around the world. And a lot of my Filipino friends, I, I noticed that it could be easy to to drift to talking about the negative things in a negative way and feeling really down about it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to create a platform that is strictly focused on talking about positive things and even negative things, but the positives within those negative situations. And I'm going to try and drive that talk through this platform to get people to focus more on sharing simple positive stuff and talking about it in a positive way. Because I believe maybe uh, that could be another outlet to fight back against the negative things. And that wasn't just in the Philippines, Jared. That was also like with my smile sign. That was from the beginning. That's everywhere. I just think in general in the world, it's very important that we find positive connection within things and talk about that and help that grow. Because that can fight back as well against the negative situations rather than just railing on the negative, feeling negative about it, talking negative about it. So that was number two. Number three, uh, these are a bit more personal. So I had these awesome experiences in the Philippines in 2013. But I also noticed that there was a lot of foreign nationals who came to the country uh, with the wrong intentions or with the wrong attitude or maybe just with a lack of education about some things. And that led to some very negative, you know, outcomes, uh, very negative outcomes. Um, I'll be blunt, man. Like, you know, people, somebody thinks they want to come to the Philippines and just because they have more money and they can do what they want and drink and have sex with girls and do whatever. Like, man, that that's you shouldn't be here for that. And that shouldn't be allowed. And that shouldn't be something that's, you know, actively... That should be something we actively fight back against. But rather than fight back against it by just railing negatively at it and talking about it, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get people so pumped on the Philippines and its culture and the good stuff and the fun stuff you can do here that hopefully they'll realize you should never come here for that other purpose. And people who do come here for that purpose shouldn't in, should just be frowned upon and, la- and they should just leave, you know? So, so my focus was on other things to fight back against that. Um, the fourth reason why I do what I do is uh, I, I live in Mindanao, man, as I, I, I'm sure you've researched. Uh, Mindanao is, it has quite the reputation around the world for, you know, terrorism and beheadings and abductions and because that's what the majority of the media about this place where I live, uh, that, that, that's what most people will hear. You'll hear those extremes because they do exist and you have to recognize that. But over my experiences in 2013, I started to experience these things in Mindanao. Friendly people, really great food, cool waterfalls, <laughs> awesome trekking, beaches, livable cities, good vibes. So I was like, man, there's, there's more to this place. And I need, to, I need to create something that can show and fight back against this extreme negatives because I started to realize that the extreme negatives are there and they exist and we have to respect that and be educated about that, but they aren't a greater representation of whole areas. And I'm sure that could be the same for anywhere in the world, man. I'm sure we're, we're so used to seeing and hearing a lot of, you know, extreme negative media that it can shape our perceptions and we can forget what a place really is. So that was the fourth reason. So those four things, are what created becoming Filipino. And every single thing I've ever done since the beginning has to fit in to one of those four things. If it doesn't fit into one of those boxes, 
if it doesn't have meaning or purpose within that, then I, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, Kyle, first of all, I'm just so impressed by the thoughtfulness with which you approach that. And I'm not surprised knowing you, but um, still, I think that there's very few people in this world that would have done what you've done and approached it with such uh, intelligence and thoughtfulness. And, and so I'm wondering, how does that still motivate you now? How does that still keep you moving forward, given, given what you've already done in, in that realm? I think it's just because you, you find when you, when you find something that you really believe in uh, and you really 100%, 100% put yourself into it, uh, it, it just becomes more and more motivating the more you do it. And when I, when I say that, I also, I also have to let you know, like it, it, it can be very difficult at times, very difficult um, and very like, like draining and then very, you know, but it's, it's just, once you have that meaning in what you're doing, you just do it. You just don't stop. Like, but you have to take the jump first. You have to be like, I'm a hundred percent going for this. I'm doing it. <laughs> Let's go. Cause once you get over that hurdle, then it's easy to, okay, continue, continue doing it because you found your meaning and that meaning kind of just continues to motivate you. I want to say something though, man. I was like actually reading something earlier. I think you were talking about uh, something talking about meaning. In fact, I think you threw me like a, before we chatted, like a, talking a question about meaning. And something I learned through this journey is that it's not about thinking we have to find meaning or so, or not the thinking, not not that wording. It's it's not that we should think that we really need to look for meaning. I didn't actually look for this becoming Filipino. I didn't look uh, for, you know, oh, this connection in a positive way with the Philippines. It found me. But how it found me was when something positive happened in my life, a situation, an event, an occurrence, I dug deeper into it. So I went, okay, this is very positive and cool and connecting for me. I need to explore it more. And that's where the meaning came from. I think a lot of people think, man, what's the meaning of my life? What's my purpose? Don't think about it. Just live your life. And when things happen, if they have a good effect with you, dive into them more. And maybe that's where you'll find your meaning and purpose. And when you do, you won't stop, man. Trust me, you won't stop. You <laughs> just do it. <laughs> that, that, that would be, again, I hate giving advice, but that would definitely be something that helped me was I didn't search for this. I just allowed it to find me. The allowing it to find me was I was open to exploring a positive thing that was happening. And when you say you were open to exploring that positive thing and you, and you kind of reflected on that, what did that reflection look like and what did that exploration look like? Man, like just the whole, you know, it's been what, six, seven years almost now. It's just been an absolutely beautiful thing. Like it's, it's it's like you wake up every day so motivated and happy and then even if you have like the worst day ever in the sense of things just didn't go right at all everything was just not how you expected it you're just still so happy because you're pursuing exactly what you feel is important and and what you believe in and so it it's just like it it just does like there's no bad days the bad days that are horrible <laughs> 
are actually good days because you're pursuing something that you genuinely have a connection with. And and the win too, again, was it has a connection with other people in a positive way. So yeah, I think it's just like, it's just awesome. It's beautiful. <laughs> Kyle, if you look back on those six or seven years of becoming Filipino, and if I asked you what would be some of the, the events or experiences or people that like really stood out to you that you know, who are some of those first people or places or experiences that jumped to mind uh, in that in that seven year period? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, because I've because I've shared earlier a bunch of different simple examples. What, what I want to mm-hmm. what I think I'll do is I'll I'll talk a bit about some surreal experiences that continue to shape kind of what I was doing. I mean, first and foremost, so my 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 cameraman uh mark his name nickname's kumar he's not indian everyone thinks he's indian harold and kumar because <laughs> <laughs> he, he 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 in in high school that he had four friends named mark so his friends just kind of called him kumar like shifting around names like letters so that's his name is kumar um but like uh i mean when i first started doing this you know i started running around and trying to have experiences and interact with people um and 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 i saw Kumar, who had offered to film a bit and try and take videos of me, how he got so interested in it. And I jumped on that inspiration. This is one thing, man. Like, like when you see somebody or you connect with somebody, are you, you just like, you feel that they're into what you're doing and you can see and feel that they're positive about it. Keep connecting with that person. Don't, don't let the, go away like keep connecting with that person because what happened is i connected so much with mark or i'm just gonna say kumar i don't call him mark (laughs) it's just just, if you haven't if you haven't read into what i'm doing you think who's kumar um i I just connected so much with kumar that uh it you know i I wouldn't let him go i'd be like yeah man come on another trip hey let's make this trip a bit longer and i would challenge him i challenge him as well in this positive thing he was experiencing And, and that grew a lot to the point where I mean, he became like my, my pro cameraman and my adventure buddy and my, you know, a a big, and that's just, and this is a guy I didn't even know, dude. So I had started, (laughs) I had started becoming Filipino and it grew off of my experiences and my work colleagues and my friends and all these things and my passion. But Kumar was never my friend before. I didn't really know. How did you guys meet? Uh, We met through my friends here in Kagan Dioro and he was part of the outdoor community, but I barely knew anything about this guy. But I saw that he was positive and believed in what I was, you know, pushing and so and, 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 and connecting with that I jumped on that and brought him into the circle and said, let's do this, man, you know, and, and that was very awesome because since then, I mean, six and a half years later, we're still doing it. And it's even a and, and it's just adapted and grown and created so much positivity both in our lives and other people's lives so it was really cool and it was because i recognized you know hey here's another person who really believes in me as well wants to be a part of it so let's do it you know that's something that i think can be very very important for anybody no matter what you're doing if you find people around you interested and who want to get involved with what you're doing in a positive way don't don't let them run away you know keep them in that circle (laughs) Um, here's, here, here's, a another surreal thing, man. Like I didn't even, I'm not, I'm not a motorbike driver, dude. I'm not a scooter driver. Dude, I, I don't do that. I never drove, like I never drove a scooter in Canada, man. Like I'm not in, 
I wasn't into it that. It was too cold, bro. Yeah, like I, I don't, I never imagined myself driving a scooter often, let alone ninety thousand kilometers across almost every <laughs> across across almost every province and like major road in the Philippines. That wasn't that wasn't that wasn't the plan. But I hopped on the scooter, and I had an experience interacting with people and adventuring, and it was positive and good. So I kept doing it. And then I noticed it kept being good. So I kept doing it. And I noticed it grew to something that made me happy and other people happy. So I continued with it. And and that was really, you know, just driving a scooter all over a country, both as a friend and by yourself. Um, that's something that's been very, very mind-blowing still to this day for me. But it also taught me again about how getting out of your comfort zone, man, like doing something completely oblivious to you can can be very, very, you know, effective. And, and, and that's what happened. Driving a scooter became my thing. And it, it became like, became like my life. <laughs> it became, <laughs> and, it be, and it became an integral part of what becoming Filipino became because it, 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 it kind of, you know, showed my personality and who I am. And, but at the same time, here's the other thing. And people don't know this, man. But the reason I did decide to drive that scooter wasn't completely spontaneous. You have to remember, like I said earlier, everything mm -hmm. has to fit into those four boxes. It, yeah. fit into, it fit into the fourth box. Because people told me all the time and, and all this negative extreme stuff said, Mindanao is dangerous. Mindanao is bad. Mindanao is evil. You got to watch out. And, and don't get me wrong again. I respect that because there have been some pretty evil and miserable things that have happened here. So I always am aware and make sure I'm educated about it. But I thought, you know what? What's the ultimate way to fight back against that? Well, I'll just drive a scooter because I'm completely vulnerable to everything around me. At any time, anybody can throw me off that scooter or whatever. I'm just open to the environment. There is nothing more dangerous than driving a scooter in the Philippines. And you can, <laughs> no, no joke, no joke. You can, you can research that. The, it is probably the most dangerous and out, out there thing you can do. So I figured wow. if, I can, if I can drive this scooter all over Mindanao, both with friends and by myself and just do it, then Anybody who tells me this place is unsafe and dangerous, that's going to be a big hurdle for them to get over. That's going to be a real big challenge to their faces. You know, that's, so that's, that's actually why I did it, because I thought, okay, I'll fight the extreme negatives with an extreme, in this case, I mean positive, because what I was doing is just showing me happy on a scooter. And that's, that's something that, it, it, how, how, how more dangerous can you go? So I, since then, I've driven a scooter over every single major road in Mindanao, over probably 35,000 kilometers, over mountains, through communities and villages, meeting Muslims, meeting Christians, meeting atheists, animistic people, being around extreme circumstances and disasters, but being around rainbows and sunshine and beauty and awesome. And it was all great. So yeah, that's uh, that was really... One of the coolest things was seeing how how that developed, how doing something completely strange to me, but with a positive purpose, you know, 
and that fit into my meaning grew into this amazing life journey. That was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, other things, man. I'll just share with you this. This is so crazy. Like I got a TV show in 2016. So I had a, I don't know if you saw that. I had a, like, if you ever researched it, I had, a, I had a TV show for one season in 2016. And imagine, I, I don't know, like growing up in Canada too, you think, man, like I got a TV show. This is the best. <laughs> this is amazing. This is like what? Yeah. So cool, man. And it was, it was so cool. <laughs> and I learned a lot. And it was really awesome. And I really appreciate everybody I met in the industry and still know in the industry and still work with sometimes in the industry. And do I love to go on TV? Absolutely. Would I do it again? Sure. But I also realized having that TV show, how much I, I, I didn't, I just wanted my focus back on creating my own stuff and just having my, myself fully 100% into it. Because when I had that TV show, I didn't, I, I sacrificed a lot of my time as well that I could be using for things that I thought could have been more effective. I dropped my social media a bit and dropped my, what I was used to doing um, to do that TV show. And in the end, I'm, I'm happy. I don't have, you know, that full on TV show right now and I'm back into what I'm doing. So it really taught me that. Um, it's crazy because you think like, this is something that's like the Mecca. Like, yes, I got a TV show. This is, this is crazy. But then you like amazing. And it was, but I also realized how something I thought would be the best and most amazing thing for what I was doing turned out not to be. It wasn't. It, what I, what I, what I was doing and just, you know, driving a scooter around and interacting and making videos on my own with my friends and that actually, turned out to be the pinnacle and still is and I still do it so that was a really big eye-opener it's so interesting how we can think something is like the, the top the best gonna be better but then turns out not to be but I still learned a lot from it and it was positive and I appreciated that experience happening so that was kind of cool yeah how is that focus on uh recognizing that sometimes what we think is going to be the best and, and it kind of turns out maybe to not live up to those expectations. How is going through an experience like that where you really had these high expectations maybe and, and they didn't get met or you realized that it mm -hmm. took away from other areas of your life? How has that influenced decisions that you've made in the recent past or, or maybe will in the future? Uh, it's, it's kind of just made me not, uh, not, uh, what's the word for it? I don't want to say jump the gun, you know, like, for example, when I, when mm -hmm. I was offered that, when I was offered that TV show, I remember being so excited, you know, of course, like, wow, yeah, you know, I'm going to get to take all the stuff I'm doing and put it on like a network TV and maybe more people will see it and bigger people, and more powerful people or whatever, 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 you know, got so excited. And, and I don't think I fully sat down and reflected enough on how it would affect what I was doing already or how it would fit in to all the different things because I got so excited about it. So I think what mm -hmm. it's done is now when I get offered things, I always, I always really, you know, sit and think on it and double check if it's appropriate for me. So I think like we talked about earlier about being real and doing, you know, being yourself and being genuine. And like, for me, that taught me to always, you know, that, that TV show really taught me to 
to reflect first and not get super, super blinded by excitement. You know, and and since then, I've had, man, it sounds so, in the Philippines, we say humbagero, it's bragging. That's the term for bragging. It sounds like I'm bragging here, ah, but like, I know, okay. but like, but like, I've been offered a lot of stuff, man. I get offered a lot of things all the time. Um, things that could be very beneficial for me in many ways, you know, whether it's money wise or experience wise or, or just. You know, I get I get offered a lot of very tempting things too, man. But but because of that experience, you know, now it, it it taught me how much easier it made it easier for me to say no, because I realized how at the end of the day, when you're just doing what you're meant to do and what you believe in and and what your purpose was, nothing else matters. So all these things, like I'll give you an example. Hey, let's just say a company says, hey, Kulas. Can you just, we'll give you like, you know, whatever, five grand. Can you just post this thing with this wording? I mean, absolutely not. I never would. I won't do it. <laughs> like, like, I won't. Because I know, why would I post something written by somebody else without meaning for me? But then I'll give you an example of something I will do. Wow. Hey, Kulas, we as a company believe in this stuff. And we noticed it aligns with what you believe in. Hey, why don't we work together to create something cool and then we'll pay you and we'll promote it in this way to do that. Absolutely, because it fits into the boxes, fits into my meaning, and I'm working with something greater to maybe achieve something even greater too. So for sure. So that that whole TV thing kind of taught me, you know, about the, you know, just to slow down and not get too excited about always, you know, what's being offered to you or what you think might be the best or what could, you know, you think might help you more just just slow down and make your decision based off of happiness and meaning and purpose so yeah well i think it's really easy to say those things and you've actually done that and so i really really admire the the strength because it it really does take strength i think to stick to your values and your principles and so that's an admirable thing to do kyle um i, I want to um kind of close up here in, in just a few minutes and, and yeah, i want to well, ask you um, you know, obviously you've had so many positive things going through this kind of experience, but I, I'd, I'd be interested to know, like, if you, what are the most positive things that have happened on to, to you on this journey and, and how have you changed because of that? Man, it's like, uh, I think, I think just like through it all, the, the, the biggest thing for me is just like, this might sound kind of weird, but honestly, the biggest thing for me is it just like this whole journey has taught me that people are just people. And when people can connect and empathize with each other and come together, they can do like so many beautiful things. What I mean by that is like, it, it doesn't even matter who you are. So through this journey, I've I've met, you know, some of the richest and most powerful people in the Philippines. You know, I've, I've become friends with them. Um I've also met some of the poorest people in the most difficult situations in the Philippines. I've also met, you know, I have middle-class friends who have great, cool family lives. I've, I've met all sorts of people in all different situations. And I've realized through this journey that when I approach them, the exact same, that they're just a person. And I remember that. And then I remember that I am a person too. So actually we can always connect on that no matter what. We're just people. You're a person, Jared. I'm a person. That no matter what 
you have or don't have or influence you have or what you can do or what you can't do or whatever, whatever, none of that matters because we're people. But the things that maybe we do have that are unique and can be awesome and positive, we can work with that together and create positive stuff. This, this whole journey has just taught me, man, that the world is just a bunch of people. And when we, when we connect together and remember that, that we're people and, 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 and try and try and empathize and, and be positive with one another, life just gets so much better for all of us. That that's, that's the real kicker for me, man. This, this whole thing has just been, it's been such an eye opener about, human beings <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter what we have where we're from who we are you know because we all are people and when we start at that we can grow positive things yeah i think that's the big kicker um a, a mutual friend of ours and um shared with me 10 years ago or so about a, a place in the Philippines and, he, and him and his brothers built a basketball court on, on this place called Smoky Mountain in, in Manila. It's, uh, mm -hmm. um, of course it's near Tondo. It's, it's, uh, uh, just a, it's a garbage dump. And, and at one time 30,000 people lived on it. And anyway, the, these brothers, they built a basketball court on it. And I remember that is a moment that stuck has stuck with me and will stick with me for the rest of my life. Because I, I remember, thinking to myself just how shocked I was like growing up in small town, Vancouver Island, mm -hmm. there, there wasn't that kind of poverty. We never saw that. And, and just thinking, Oh my gosh, there's kids that are growing up on a garbage dump. And, um, I traveled to the Philippines and, and put, I had put a project together in, in my last year university where I, I collected sports equipment in my, um, in my, in my, condo and and sent it over to the philippines to smoky mountain and, and ended up getting to visit the people of, of smoky mountain and that was again a day that will live with me for the rest of my life because i met these people and like you've expressed through this whole journey is the people there are inspiring and i don't want to kind of put that pressure on them that they have to have this kind of inspirational yeah, feel yeah. for us folks from the outside but but just being there as an outside observer with them not noticing and seeing how joyful they were and how grateful. And um, really, I've been so, so inspired by my time in the Philippines and by following along on your journey that uh, I'm just so grateful that you were interested in recording this and that for some reason it fit within those four boxes of meaning for you, Kyle. So um, I'm very grateful that you you took the time today. Cool, man. I, I appreciate talking about it. It's uh, if there's one thing I've learned, it's so so effective and important that we uh, you know, we talk about our experiences in life. So it's just another. I'm really happy you you, you contacted me and were able to do this because it's been very nice. And I mean, heck, I hadn't even thought about the ice story in a long time, and now it makes me feel like it's something I can I can draw more energy from. So that's super cool, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Kyle. If you want to learn more about Kyle and Becoming Filipino, you can find him on Instagram and Facebook at Becoming Filipino or his website at becomingfilipino.com. That's F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
please stay tuned for more stories from successful entrepreneurs, artists, influencers, and sports and medical moguls. Please know that I've got your back and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this episode, then please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also find Strive Accelerator on Instagram at Strive Accelerator. And find show notes and all of our free content on our website at striveaccelerator.com. I always want to hear feedback from listeners, so please shoot me an email at jared at striveaccelerator.ca.